Amen. Well, good morning, Harbor family. And if you're joining online, good morning. I was kind of um, easing my nerves this week by thinking that uh, there wasn't going to be very many people here, but that didn't work. Um, I kind of toyed with the idea of pre-recording my message and then just wearing my mask up here and kind of moving my mouth so I wouldn't uh, mess up. Um, This morning, the title of my my message is Unleashed to Lead Because We Follow. And so I was asked a few months ago to speak on chapter 6 of the Francis Chan book, Letters to the Church, and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into at the time. Chapter 6 is titled, Good Shepherds. It speaks mostly about pastors. And to be honest, I struggled for a few weeks trying to get this topic of pastoring good into my head and into my heart. I'm not a pastor. I never went to school to train and learn the ropes and vocation of a pastor. I didn't speak often to crowds of people like yourselves, I am not a pastor. How could I speak about this topic of being a good pastor? And then it hit me. It was right in front of me the whole time as I read. You see, in chapter 6, in the opening paragraph, Francis Chan states this, I write this chapter to full-time pastors, to bivocational pastors, And to the many reading this who, unbeknownst to you, will be called to shepherd others. I believe that thousands of you are called to pastor. And this is what hit me. Not according to the traditional understanding of that role, but in a biblical sense. And there it was. That is how it relates to me. That is my calling. That is our calling. That is all who call themselves a follower of Christ's calling to shepherd, and to pastor others. But how do we lead or shepherd others? That is the tough question often asked by the lay person, like you and like me. Tom Hanks is probably one of my favorite actors, and in my opinion, the most diverse actor in Hollywood. He has been a maroon castaway, a captain in the U.S. Army, America's favorite neighbor, the voice of a boy's favorite cowboy figure, and even a death row prison guard on the Green Mile. But I think my favorite movie of his was no doubt Forrest Gump, an Alabama man with an IQ of 75, whose only desire is to be reunited with his childhood sweetheart, Jenny. There's a scene where Forrest Gump is getting up off of his porch, He's sitting there, and he stands up, and he just starts running for no particular reason. He actually says that. And he just keeps running. He reaches the ocean and then turns around and runs to the other side of the country to where the ocean is. And for more than two years and four times across the continental USA, he just simply runs for no particular reason. Reporters along the way ask him, Why are you running? Is it for world hunger, peace, animals? And he simply says, I just felt like running. Then the next thing you know, he has a following of hundreds of people behind him. So you can see when he first started running, he was clean shaven. And now look at him. But unbeknownst to the crowd, 
They are following a man that is running for no particular reason. Then one day, Forrest Gump just stops and says he's going home. He's tired, and one of his followers asks him, now what are we supposed to do? You see, Forrest Gump had no idea why he was running. The people had no idea why he was running, or why they were even following him for that matter. Being a leader means we have purpose in our steps. We know why we are running the race, why we are leading. We know why we are serving. We know why we are shepherding. We do everything with an eternal purpose in mind. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.26, he says, So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. That is what a leader does. And just as important, the people we lead and pastor should also know our purpose. So there's a section in chapter 6 of the book by Francis where it lists what a pastor should be. A praying pastor, a humble pastor, a loving pastor, an equipping pastor, a missional pastor. And there are a few more, but this is the point. I struggled with finding the relevance of this, li- of this list in my life. But in light of being a shepherd to others, I found myself giving this list a more personal note. I think we often hold up our full-time pastors in church to a different standard than we hold ourselves up to in some regards. For instance, I want a praying pastor, but how often do I spend time on my knees in prayer? I have a hard time not falling asleep during my evening prayers. I want a humble pastor, but how often am I truly humble without any underlying hidden pride creeping in? I want a loving pastor, but how often am I loving or even lovable for that matter? I want a missional pastor, but how often am I willing to serve the body of Christ? Often my preference is to come here, listen to the sermon, listen to the sermon and go home without anybody even noticing me. I want a suffering pastor, but am I myself willing to suffer or even be uncomfortable for the cause of Christ? In fact, recently while in discussion about the preaching team, um, I told uh, Luke, the Harbor, one of the Harbor board members, that I wasn't interested in speaking anymore. I don't feel comfortable up here. It's not my thing. Um, I, just, I, I just would rather sit in a pew, right? But with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and my wife, here I am. <laughs> All joking aside, though, I knew that it wasn't right for me to step away. But who wants to suffer or be uncomfortable, right? It's our human nature to want comfort. And on a side note, we all need to have people around us that are not afraid to tell us the hard truth, regardless if if it's something we want to hear or not. Remembering to say it in love, though, which I can assure you my wife did. We've all seen the effects of friends and family members who were not truthful with their loved ones. If you need proof, um, just go on YouTube and watch old reruns of American Idol or America's Got Talent, and you will see that the truth has been suppressed by many. So what does it look like to be a shepherd? Is it having lots of sheep? Is it having a sweet staff? 
get it, no pun intended, but sweet staff? Or is it like our good shepherd, Jesus, who leaves the 99 who are in the fold to venture out into the wilderness to find the one who is lost? But it can be exhausting, right? Always having to serve, to put others before us, to be uncomfortable at times. But is that not what we as Christians are called to do? Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Every January for the last four or five years or so, I like to reread one of my favorite books. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nouwen. And the book focuses on the famous Rembrandt painting seen here. So this, this book literally brings me to tears every year. It is marked up and underlined each year with new insight as I find myself relating to the younger, outward, rebellious son who couldn't find joy and fulfillment in the father's house. And I find myself more times than I'd like to admit relating to the older son who couldn't find joy and rest and contentment in the father's house even though his outward actions were that of obedience, inside he was rebellious and disgruntled. The author talks about how regardless in our journey, if we relate to each other, or if we relate to either or both the younger and the older son, how we should each desire and strive to become like the father in the story, to become more like Christ. And an excerpt from the book, If you plan on reading the book, I hope this isn't a spoiler alert, but this is towards the end of the book. He says, As the returned child of God who is invited to resume my place in the Father's home, the challenge now, yes, the call is to become the Father myself. I now see that the hands that forgive, console, heal, and offer a festive meal must become my own. Becoming like the Father is a surprising conclusion for me. And I wonder if that's how we successfully lead and shepherd people. The Father was merciful and gracious. He was forgiving. He was on the lookout for his wayward son. The Father sees his son from a distance. I'm sure he was constantly in prayer for his safety and return. So how do we become like the Father? How do we lead and shepherd people in love? There's a passage in the Bible, I think, that fits very good with the characteristics of leadership and for the general Christian life for us to follow. And it's found in in Colossians 3, 12 and 13, and it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And these characteristics cannot be achieved without the help of the Holy Spirit. It cannot and must not simply be a list that we try to adhere to in our own strength, but a life we are transformed into as we journey with Christ daily. Interestingly, the word pastor 
actually came from the homonym word found in Latin that means shepherd, which in turn originated from the verb, I believe it's pronounced passer, which means to set to grazing, lead to pasture, cause to eat. I love that last line, cause to eat. There is a huge difference in make to eat, force to eat, and cause to eat. It's like when I would feed my, kin- my kids when they were infants, I would have my bowl of yellow mushy stuff, and I'm sure it probably would have tasted better with a little salt and a splash of Frank's, but after the first spoonful was spit up, I reverted to what we have all done, the airplane. I won't, I won't try to do the airplane because COVID and I might spit and stuff, but you, you kind of get what the airplane is, right? Who could resist the swirling flying spoon and the noises it made? After that, I didn't have to force them to eat. I caused them to eat. I made squash enjoyable. And I'm sure we have all heard the analogy that says you can lead a horse to water, but... That's right, you can't make him drink. But we can make them see that it's good to drink, right? A good shepherd takes his sheep to the greenest pastures to eat. And my prayer for you and for me today is that we will shepherd people and lead them to the source of living water and that we would cause them to drink because they will have no reason not to because of the working of the Holy Spirit that is so prevalent in our lives as we show grace and mercy and humility and patience and forgiveness to those around us, we will make the gospel irresistible. Philippians 2.4 says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's a tough one. But that's what we are called to do. So how do I become the shepherd that Christ has called me to be? I think John the Baptist summarized it best when he said, He must become greater, I must become less. Another tough verse to live our lives by. I don't know why, but lately a simple verse, nine little words, has been provoking me for the last few months, and it's Psalm 23.1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now I know that some people look at this and claim it as a prosperity promise, but I really don't think that that is what David had in mind when he wrote this. David, a man after God's own heart, found full satisfaction and contentment in knowing that God was his shepherd. He truly had all he wanted. He had the good shepherd leading him. God referred to as a shepherd is mentioned no less than 43 times in the Bible. And I believe it's um, God mentioned as father is like over 100. But next to God referred to as a specific characteristic, it's that of a shepherd. God is our good shepherd. The idea of Jesus as the good shepherd was precious to early Christians. One of the common motifs found in catacombs beneath Rome is Jesus as a shepherd with a lamb carried across his shoulders. And because Jesus is my good shepherd, I have all I need. And because my security and refuge and peace and contentment can be found in him, I can live my life as a humble shepherd, willing to serve others without having a desire to be served. I can live my life as a loving shepherd, 
freely and ungrudgingly able to lead in love without any personal agenda. I can live my life as an equipping shepherd, willing to, pa- to pass the baton to others as I follow Christ and in turn lead others. I can live my life as a missional shepherd. I am able to see God's purpose for my life, not just my own desires. And I can live my life as a suffering shepherd, able to lead with Christ-like forbearance in the midst of turmoil, turmoil and trials. And to be honest, I wish I could stand here and say that I am a, uh, I'm a successful shepherd in my family or my workplace or my sphere of friends, but I am not. I have failed along the way. The following verse is a rebuke to me as much as it was to the audience of Hebrews. Hebrews 5.12 says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, You need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need need milk and cannot eat solid food. 1986 was a great year for me. My family's kind of chuckling because they probably know where this is going. So I became a Christian through a traveling kids ministry at our church. Haley's Comet was flying by earth. And I won the grade 5 spelling bee champ. Um, trophy for my school, and that's why they're chuckling, because every time I spell a word, I always say 1986 spelling bee chant, and I always actually do put my hand up like that. Um, For 34 years, I have been a Christian, and when I read this verse, I am convicted as I look at the fruit in my own life, and I feel guilt of not having done enough. How long have you been a believer? What thoughts come to your mind when you read this verse? Have you done enough? Have you been a shepherd to people with Christ-likeness? But all is not lost. Today can be the day where we change things that need to be changed. So what are the basic things about God's Word? What would be in the Bible if we were to bring the entire Bible down to its most basic form? When asked what was the most important commandment in the Scriptures, Jesus stated too, Love God and love people. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 39 says, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We cannot truly love God if we do not fully love people. And we cannot truly love people if we do not fully love God. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Lately, um, I've been watching this YouTube channel called Invisible People. And it's about this older gentleman Mark Horvath, who travels the world and interviews homeless people living on the streets. Now, what really amazes me about this guy is he's 25 years sober himself and free from a $300 a day drug habit. He was homeless, but he's no longer homeless. Now he goes from city to city and loves on these people. He gives food, clothing, and tries to find adequate shelter and meaningful employment. 
It is amazing to watch, and I feel moved every time I watch these videos. It makes me want to go out and help the homeless and to help those less fortunate than me. But as I look around our town, we don't have a homeless issue. But we do have people who cross our paths daily that are in desperate need to fill an empty void in their life. Maybe they have a house, but it's not a home. Maybe they have food for their belly, but their soul is empty. Maybe they have employment, but they feel they have no purpose. This man, Mark, was homeless and an alcoholic himself, and now he helps those who are like him. He can relate to them, and they are more apt to talk to him. We have this mindset that the pastor is to reach the lost in our community, and we just come and cheer him on from the pews. But in light of us all becoming and being a pastor to those around us, it is our Christian duty to reach those that are around us that are in need. 1 John three sixteen to 18 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the, bro- for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. I heard a quote from a preacher one time referring to sharing the gospel with those who are lost, and it said, I am just a beggar sharing with other beggars where I found bread. We have all had leaders and pastors in our lives who have shown us love and grace and mercy along our way, and we are thankful and we honor them. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. What better way to honor our leaders than to strive daily to imitate their faith as we also pursue to shepherd those in our lives with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. May we all put into practice what we have learned from the shepherds that have led us in our lives. And may we all put into practice the words we read from God's word as we lead others. May we desire to truly love God and love people, not just in word or talk, but in deed. We are all called to pastor, not according to the traditional understanding of that role, but in a biblical sense. We are all called to be shepherds. We can all lead someone. And as I transition the remainder of the service to Luke as he leads us in communion, I think it would be fitting to read a benediction from Paul as he addressed the church of Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians 3.11, to chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you 
And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the beginning of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. If I could leave you with one thought or takeaway to think about this week, it would be this. May we live our lives as we follow our Good Shepherd in such a way that we will lead people to the living water that we have found and that we would cause them to have a drink also.